Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week, we wrap up my solo adventure with Starcrossed and also my term as primary host for One Shot. It has been 10 years, uh, now knocking on the door of 11 years. And One Shot has been one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. It is responsible for my greatest career achievements, for me meeting some of the most precious and important friends that I have, and for some of the most satisfying storytelling experiences that I've ever had. I love this show, and I always will. But because I love it, I need to see it succeed without me. After stepping down, I'm going to be putting a lot of work into creating other shows for the OneShot Network. And I have been through an extremely long, very robust, or at least as robust as I could afford to make it process to ensure that I'm going to be leaving you all in very good hands. I am so grateful for everyone who has listened to this show over the years. You have been a part of something magical for me. And I know from fan mail and interactions that I've had with you in person that I and OneShot have been part of magical moments for you as well. I'll never be able to say how grateful I am for this experience. Nor would I be able to recount all the amazing things that we have accomplished together. Everybody here responsible for producing the show and everybody out there listening and being inspired by these games. You'll still be able to listen to me over on campaign, but I am bidding you adieu here for now. Though I do expect I'll be coming back as a guest or maybe a guest host at some point in the who knows how long off future. But sincerely... Thank you, heroes. Now, let's get to the show. As he closes the door, I see a sigh, a labored exhale. All of this time getting to know each other, it becomes really obvious how much weight Zam carries in the presence of others. I know that he takes the position of being a diplomat for his house and planet very seriously, because I see how much effort he puts into even the smallest interactions when we are out on the ship together. And the more time we have spent engaging in the ritual, the more casually our minds become intertwined. Every polite gesture, every offer to help, every expression of gratitude— I can tell how much he means all of it. And I'm struck by the fact that he used to have that very same posture with me, even in quiet moments when we're alone. But now I can see that he's able to put at least part of that burden down as soon as the door closes. Or maybe, maybe I can't notice that. That's an interesting thing. Um, being solo and playing both parts, uh, I might be taking too much uh, narration and agency away from the lead in that. Like, I don't know that as the follow, I can notice personal information about the lead. So maybe I will limit it to uh, the fact that Sam has noticed uh, that Zam, like, puts down part of his burden and doesn't extrapolate the fact that, like, he used to be more guarded around Sam himself. Yet another aspect of the interesting challenge of doing this solo. I can't help but notice that his movements are hurried now as he undresses and moves to the covers. The first night was difficult, but today leading up to now was truly hard for Zam. He was distracted through most of the day. It seemed no matter how many jackets or blankets or other elements of heat we could find, 
it was never enough to settle him to peace. Kind of everywhere on a Union ship is just a little bit too cold for Sam. And our room used to be the one haven. Insulated as it is, it loses a lot. Sam moves under the covers and then looks to me. I can almost feel him trying to pull it back, but his mind reaches out to beckon towards me. It's cold for me as well, but not so much that I don't feel awkward being looked at when I undress. Even with my body heat just a little bit cooler than Zam's, I know that we will create warmth between us. Which means as much skin-to-skin contact as possible. I can see in his eyes the way he is desperate for it, not hungry for it. Desperate in the way that one clings to a cliff when they fear falling away. As I crawl onto the bed, I can feel his warm hands as they grab my arm and pull me close to him so that my body is wrapped around his back. I pull the covers up and seal out the crisp air in our small room. On this very cold night cycle, I can feel the warmth of his back across my entire body, his smooth skin touching my hairy chest. So that is definitely Zam intentionally touching the follow. So I'm gonna check that off. Tower is, at this point, Got very little left in it. There is this tremendous heat that fills the bed. Shelters from all of the coldness outside. Zam pulls me into him until we warm this little nest. But I melt into him like butter on top of a soft pancake. Like I said, the day was hard. People on the ship still have duties while we're making this jump. But by the second day, technical work that wasn't absolutely necessary for running the ship was called off. Entertainment systems that aren't analog had to be shut down. And of course, food generation systems also had to be rationed and stored. There was very little socializing. Everybody's mind was put to the mission and what we were trying to accomplish, which in many ways sat us with our own struggles. And right here in this moment is the first time today, I think... I know for myself, and I think for Zam, the first time that our struggles were not the most obvious thing on our minds that day. It's here that I feel myself sigh. It's here that I'm able to lay down my burden. But this is also so much more silent than evenings usually are between me and Zam. Even last night, there was more conversation as we were pushed close to each other beneath the blankets. The touch of our minds and the touch of our bodies creating an atmosphere of ease. Today, for the sake of ourselves and everyone around us, we were almost isolated within ourselves. We know that we have a few more difficult hours ahead of us in this cold night. And it's hard to talk of anything because all we can think of is how very cold it is. I can feel Zam's body shiver against me. And I pull my arms tighter, doing everything I can to help him get what he needs. I know that I am not as warm as he needs me to be, but I am definitely warmer than the air. I can definitely help make this more comfortable. Suspend lights. Zam calls out, and the computer dims and shuts off the lights in the room. We are now together in darkness. And in the darkness, my other senses start to swell. I can smell the scent that Zam anoints himself with. 
It is similar but different to the scent that Zaron used, apparently based on a flower from their home planet. It has complex herbal notes, a hint of sweetness, but also a deep earthy quality that is quite unlike many blooms that I've become familiar with. It fills my nose and, in a way, becomes my world. I can also hear the soft hum of the ship in the room. I once told Zam that they actually have a way to insulate that hum everywhere on the ship. That if the Union wanted, we could build ships that would leave each individual room full of complete silence. And there was a short period where we indeed built ships this way. But too many Union members complained about the lack of the hum. How that sound became a source of comfort, a way to access privacy within one's own head. Back when I was sleeping in the Ensign bunks, it's something that I thought about a lot. But I can also hear Zam's breathing. It starts out somewhat labored and shaking, and very, very slowly, as the sheets and blankets begin to warm between the heat of our two bodies, it slows, and the tension in his body relaxes. As I have melted into him, he now melts into me. But of course, there is another sense, the strange tendrils of our connected minds. One of the things that I find truly remarkable about my connection to Zaron that carries over to this ritual connection to Zam is how unintentional a connection between minds can truly be. The things that I feel are not always things that are offered up by Zam. They are incidental things, small thoughts that pass through. And this is a fact that becomes somewhat inconvenient. As Zam melts into me and I hold him against me, I feel a different sort of comfort. There are absolutely echoes of Zaron in this comfort, even though because of the scent, because of the touch of the mind, even the touch of the body, because Zam is shaped just so noticeably differently than his brother. There is a familiarity that develops. I am suddenly very aware that I am very close to this person who absolutely needs me to be close, that his comfort depends on me not withdrawing, but I am absolutely finding comfort in this moment in ways that are unintentional. I feel my cheeks start to get hot. I take a deep breath in to relax myself, but that air is once again full of Zam's scent, and there is a fluttering in my stomach. An anxiety that is warm and sweet. This is a bad situation. This is not the sort of thing that I want to be feeling when I can't not touch someone. And yes, there are many intentional thoughts that occur to me in this moment. That this is a brother of someone I loved very dearly. That we are fulfilling a very important and sacred cultural ritual together that I am at work and that this man in my arms is a diplomat. And then the unintentional thoughts come, and I feel them bleed 
into our connection. What if, when I am behind this person who smells so sweet, who moves through the world with such earnestness and grace, who needs my care and my nurturing, what if I leaned my head forward and planted a kiss upon his neck? What if, while holding him close to me, I softly drew my hand across his chest? What if I allowed myself to understand in darkness every ridge and dimple on his body? So this is unintentionally revealing. I am saying that these thoughts are bleeding through the mental connection between uh, Sam and Zam here, that uh, although Sam is having these thoughts and like trying to bat them away, he can't help but prevent them get into this connection. Um, and I'm, I'm going to do a poll, but I'll talk about uh, the speculative fiction angle on this in a second. The top is not moving quite so much, so I might be able to, I might be able to stretch this out a little bit longer. But one of the coolest, I think, moments in the Limetown podcast, again, a podcast that I felt very conflicted about and, you know, there, there were the portions that I enjoyed, I really didn't enjoyed and the portions I didn't, I really didn't. But I think one of the coolest moments was when they pointed out that people who had this kind of implanted psychic connection were suddenly faced with the fact that not all of their thoughts were private and not all of their thoughts are things that were created through intention. They, they are flashes in their mind. So two people who might be having sex, uh, you know, would unintentionally think of like past lovers or whatnot. And that's normally a thing that is like completely private to a person, but it is suddenly exposed and has to create a new culture of intimacy. Like people have to navigate uh, the understanding that everybody has these thoughts, um, but now they can be seen. And so I think that when Sam like has these thoughts enter the connection to Sam, it is a huge deal and like a terrifying deal that spikes anxiety. But, I don't know that that is the case for Zam. Um, I think Zam, you know, coming from a culture where psychic connections between people are, are more common, there is probably a cultural familiarity that you have with this sort of thing uh, that doesn't make it as embarrassing or maybe significant. But Sam is freaking out. I try to hold them back, but it seems like as soon as I gather some of these thoughts up and manage to pull them back from the connection, others pop in. And the anxiety about not wanting to think about these things only makes these thoughts more intense. I tense up. I can feel myself tense up. And that is when I can feel Zam's body shake again, but not with shivers, with laughter. I feel this very dignified man start to giggle in my arms. My ears, my cheeks, my whole face burn in the darkness. I am so sorry, Zem. Think nothing of it. It is natural um, for humans, I am told. And uh, this is where I think I'm going to keep Sam on his back foot a little bit. Um... <laughs> Uh, 
Excuse me? Well, uh, Zalians, of course, are used to having intimate thoughts uh, touch and and, uh, transpire between one another. But I believe, as the case is, because your species evolved without psychic connection, you crave intimacy in, in the ways that we do, but because you cannot see one another's minds, you crave it so powerfully that you are forced to bring it into realms outside of the psychic, outside of the mental. Zaron wrote about your mind touching his in um, some quite intimate contexts, and I tried not to read them. Oh, oh, I can't unintentionally. Well, you know what? Maybe this is... Okay, so I will have to rephrase this. I dutifully read all of my brother's works that that crossed my station, uh, partially in attempt to discern that the ritual would be truly necessary to come out and disrupt your work. Um, He spoke in great detail about the experience of his mind touching your mind in intimate moments, and... He described you as a waterfall or an avalanche, the way your thoughts would overwhelm him, bury him. Uh, And I think that is going to be intentionally revealing something personal. And, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go one step further. I must admit, my curiosity was piqued. I have experienced romance in in many shapes and forms myself. But what he wrote of was quite another thing. And even just feeling that, I can see what he meant. So yeah, there's intentionally reeling something personal. uh, That Zam had to read his brother's, like, musings on the intimate connection between him and Sam and the way that Sam's powerful human desire feels so unrestrained in a psychic space. And that that idea aroused curiosity in Sam. All right, let's let's trifle with this tower. Just barely made it. I don't know how to respond to this. I feel so embarrassed. There is a strong part of me that wants to pull away. But I'm held in place by a few things, really. There is a sense of duty, a sense that I know to an extent things need to be exposed to this man to give him the peace that he needs. Deeper than that, there is my sense of I guess, nurturance. I know that this person right now, in order to have any modicum of peace, depends on my touch. And that roots me there. But there is something deeper than that, something that I wrestle with. And it's that I do want to be here. As much as I want to bat away these things that make me feel exposed, make me feel embarrassed, there is 
a deeper comfort here. As I feel this humiliation, and I don't think this counts as a new touch because it is the same touch, I feel Zam's hand close around mine and give it a gentle squeeze. I still do my best to hold back my thoughts, but as I breathe in and out and feel more of Zam's scent become my world, it becomes so difficult. And then I reach what is probably the most humiliating thing to happen to me in my entire career. Uh, and I think I have done a lot of great work within the union, um, but there are some low moments that maybe have held me back. Even if I am technically not on duty right now, I am here because of my dedication to the union and the union's missions. It is the most humiliating thing. As these thoughts race through my mind, I feel my body react. And there is very little between us now. I know that Sam can feel it too. So in as graceful terms as I can possibly put it, there is my unintentional touch. All right, yeah, that top that top tower. I am playing with the official uh, star-crossed uh, tumbling tower set. Uh, it is a rougher cut than your standard Jenga. So the bricks, I, like these towers, I'm going to say are orders of magnitude more sensitive uh, than standard uh, Jenga towers because the blocks are not cut as evenly. So the tower is like leaning in this truly troublesome way. However, the bricks that are loose are really, really loose. So on the top layers, I feel like I am getting away with murder. I cannot imagine that this tower is going to last much longer. Uh, but it is it is lasting longer than I expected right now. Um, which is not unwelcome, uh, but it is surprising. I can feel my breath deepen. And as I feel Zam against my chest, I can feel his breath deepen in kind. We sink into the psychic space between us. It is difficult to tell which thoughts are his and which thoughts are mine. I know that all of them, to some extent, make me blush. I try to keep my hands stock still, exactly where they are on his chest. Despite every urge to move them around, to feel him as a matter of intention rather than incident. But I know that if I do that, it will change something. There's only so much that I can know about this ritual. These are the specific details that they don't talk about in the union records of this cultural ritual. I know that to some extent we are rescuing the shade of intimacy from a lover to pass on a spirit. That this kind of moment might very well be a part of it. But it is a complicated and messy thing that is not truly defined. And I am afraid to be here. I am afraid that... Because of who I am, I might ruin this, either for Zam or myself. I know that not all of these thoughts can be mine, but that makes it feel 
almost more dangerous. These are thoughts that bubbled into our space unintentionally. And if I have drawn that out of Zam, then he might be in a position where he doesn't actually feel or want the things that I feel. That I have become an avalanche. That I have blotted out his world. That he sees these things because I have filled the space between us with nothing but myself. I try to say something, but but it is swallowed up by the sensation of how perfectly his body fits against mine. My heart pounds in my chest, into my ears. It overwhelms the hum of the ship. I am locked here. I want the option to pull away, but there is something in me that is so profoundly grateful that I do not have that. Then, through heavy breaths in the darkness, I hear Zam's voice. I am not cold now. Thank you. And I think that's where I, as the follow, am going to end the scene. Man, close, quiet, and alone. One of my favorite, absolute, all-time favorite scenes in Starcrossed. Complete. Uh, and I have passed the point uh, where the tower usually falls in, in most of my games. Close, quiet, and alone is uh, the spot. So we're going to move forward into scene six now. A disagreement becomes heated. Oh, hit. I cannot believe this. I truly cannot believe this. Alex Roberts uh, has reached into the future uh, and s b seen the game that I was going to play, seen the scene that I just set up uh, as the prompt question for this scene is, you had a dream about the lead last night. What parts of it do you remember? Um, wow. Okay. Again, I am in a place where this is on air. Um, if I were playing the game alone, uh, there might be more detail that I add to this. But this is just going to follow immediately the scene that I just described. When these two are finally able to drift off to sleep, uh, there is a dream. Um, I think the psychic space of this makes things really really hairy um i i'm gonna say because it's a dream this isn't actually acting on these feelings as it were there is like a level of safety for both of these characters because they are not in control of themselves in their dreams uh but i think this is just a bunch of wild dreams that they have about giving into passion between each other and that to an extent they are shared, but neither of them are sure if they are shared. There is just a piece of each of them that reaches out in their sleep into this psychic space between them and creates these extremely raw fantasies. Uh, that feel real, that feel very much like uh, the, the simulation or, or imagination room or whatever you want to call it uh, on, on this uh, ship. Okay. 
You learn something about the lead in this scene. What is it? Who? That is an important question. Okay. Um, so that is really tough to think through, but I think so important, especially because this is a disagreement becomes heated. Um, one of the cool things about Starcrossed up to this point, it is bringing these characters closer together. It's disarming them. It's putting them in situations where they can let those defenses down, where they can build a sense of respect and trust between each other. And then uh, disagreement becomes heated, like allows you to focus back on some of the realities, like the fact that these characters are in fact, actually kept apart from each other by something. Um, and that there is the magic of this romance, but there is the larger reality of, of a person, how you can have like even very intense connections uh, with people that you meet, um, but those start out only seeing a part of them and, and you discover someone through intimacy that is developed through the relationship and in some cases, you learn things about other people that uh, pull you away from them. Or, or in a lot of cases, you develop this very intense intimacy that makes you feel exposed. And if you are someone who is carrying a lot uh, from your past, that that the hint of something that you don't understand or or feels like it's something that you don't like it instinctually makes you pull back and pull away uh, rather than investigate and explain and embrace. There is a fear to it. So up to this point, you know, there has been this thing of Zam has all of these similarities to Zaron. Some of them are culturally um, like created similarities because they were both raised in the same culture. But there are also these stark differences. Uh, Zam, you know, spent most of his life as a scholar and in scholarship, while Zaron went around being kind of a space prince adventurer type. Um, and Zaron, having seen more of the galaxy, has this kind of rebellious streak in him where he is doing things that other political maneuverers on his home worlds don't approve of. And that is like up to and including having a relationship with Sam that is on this intense level of intimacy to the point where Sam as an outsider and offworlders incorporation into this ritual became necessary. Um, I think... All of that really informs Zaron, informed Zaron's personality as like kind of this rebellious spirit who was willing to break taboos and go against traditions. I think we've already established that Zam hasn't ever really been in that position before. And part of what he was struggling with when he had to take over and carry on Zaron's work is all of the cultural pushback uh, going off to do this ritual, uh, even though it is 
absolutely in line with kind of the sacred requirements of his culture is probably one of the most rebellious things that he's ever done simply because he is acknowledging and respecting his brother's words about his connection to this off-worlder. So and right now Zam is outside of the direct sphere of influence of these folks. Uh, but he knows that that's what he's returning to. Uh, and he was already stressed about his ability to, you know, step into his, his brother's shoes and, and place in the world as it were. Um, but the idea, like we, we don't even know if Zam idealistically aligns with Zaron. Uh, we don't know what he believed before he went off uh, on this journey, before he picked up the, the pieces of his brother's life and tried to carry it forward. We know that he respects his brother. We know that he loved his brother. Um, but we don't necessarily know that those things are things that that would make him willing to stand up against the pressure that his brother kind of always was under. Um, and that is where I, I think we might find a struggle. Yeah. You learn something unflattering about the lead in this scene. What is it? Oh, okay. Actually, that, hmm, that puts things in a mildly different perspective. I think more... I think there's actually more gas in the tank if this is something specifically that Zam doesn't want me to know about um, that makes Zam feel less about himself, but maybe not necessarily something that Sam cares about over much. Unflattering. Unflattering. Yeah, unflattering is such a such an interesting word uh, because... It, it allows the lead to really be on the defensive here, whether or not there is something that the follow, like, actually thinks. Okay. And now I got to think of where this is. So we had this night uh, that was so filled with, like, impulsive thoughts and fantasies, and it got capped off by this shared dream or or partially shared dream i like to think of the idea that like one of them might have like because you have so many dreams in a night had a more of a normal dream space and the other ones like psychic connection reaches out and pulls them into this intimate space so between them they are bouncing in and out of like this wild passionate exchange throughout the night to the point where they wake up and the things that they remember are like really intense flashes. I, I think it is they remember enough of these dreams. They are still fleeting like like many dreams can be upon waking if you don't commit yourself to remembering them specifically. They are fleeting in a way that uh, brings flashes that are things that make the two of them blush. But I think this is appropriate for 
a workplace type situation um, because we've already described that the work that Sam is doing is not necessarily challenging work like it is necessary to an extent, uh, but it was mostly out of acknowledgement to his grief and his desire to work. He was given work that needs to be done, uh, but is not like intensely demanding. So he has time to process. And unfortunately, Zam just kind of has to be around him in all of this. Yeah, so I feel I feel like they can have like casual discussions while this work is happening. But what is this unflattering thing? What is this thing that Zam feels is unflattering? I think, honestly, it has to do with the idea of courage versus cowardice. I think the thing that Zam really admired in his brother and the thing that Sam obviously admired uh, in his brother is this heroic bravery uh, that is just like seeded into uh, Zaron's whole deal. That Zaron was a rebel. Zaron was like a adventurer. He sought out danger and and kept a cool head under danger to keep people safe and like do the right thing. It is like all of this incredibly impressive stuff. And I think that's something that especially if Zam is attracted to Sam, uh, like Zam is already coming from a world where he feels guilty that he is not those things. And Like, if he knows transparently that Sam liked his brother or fell in love with his brother partially because of those things, and there is an attraction there, he is probably also feeling the pressure that he is not. Okay. So now I'm trying to determine what specific unflattering thing I could discover, because that will make it easier in the scene to discover it. Okay. I think it could be that Zaron kind of got pushed off world in the first place because he was doing something to cover for Zam. That maybe Zam as, okay, okay. It is that uh, the Zalian home world has this like, alliance with the union uh they may or may not be actually pulled into the union uh but like there is a expectation of you know you are going to send some of your like people to like interact and serve with the union partially to evaluate the prospects of a true like connection between the union and the Zalians. Um, and I think as the second brother, it was actually, it fell to Zam, uh, that, that, that he was the one who was supposed to be sent out. Uh, but he was terrified of it. Like for so many reasons, like He's a quiet little scholar. He likes to do his studying. He likes to read his books and uh, 
you know, I don't know exactly what he studies. Uh, answering that question, I feel like can only get me into trouble. And it feels like everybody in Star Trek studies a million things all the time. So, you know, whatever. Um, he doesn't want to leave the home world. Uh, and part of it, I think, is, you know, maybe because of the circles that he runs in, he sees the union as a military organization. Um, but I don't, I like, I truly don't think, uh, d transparency here because I called, uh, this alliance, like the union, I have since, uh, had people tell me that like, oh, in the world of the Orville, they call it the union. And I started watching the Orville. I think one of the interesting, uh, dichotomies between like Star Trek and the Orville is that the Orville is explicitly part of the union, which is a military organization where Technically, uh, the uh, Starfleet is not exactly a military organization. They are using military ranks, but like, it, and, and technically they say this in the Orville too, like their primary mission is exploration, um, but they have to be armed because it's a big wild galaxy out there. I think my union is explicitly not a military organization, but it is more, these are exploratory vessels that can be called into militia because there are dangerous forces out there, or, or there are at least hostile uh, forces that are hostile to the union and its ideals and its members. So sometimes you do need to get into a fight. Uh, and I think maybe it might have even started out as a military organization and then like 150 years ago or something like they truly transitioned it from being this is a military alliance between different planets to we are a different type of thing. We are committed to uh, like creating a community between planets within this galaxy and exploring space scientifically and culturally as well as like you know spatially so they kind of dropped the military labels but the way a lot of these planets see them is like i know what that is you've got these big armed ships coming in and flying around and getting in fights sometimes you're a military um so i think like the zalian homeworld being more psychically based I think violent conflict is way more unusual and like kind of unthinkable to them. Like this is their funeral ritual. Can you imagine the idea of perform like ever satisfying people w w with a funerary ritual like this when there's a war? That's wild. I, I think this is very revealing about their culture. Like they can't operate like that in a lot of different ways. And, you know, there are probably more points of intervention with somebody when, like, they are maybe moving towards violence, but, like, have these thoughts that they can't necessarily stop from bleeding into psychic spaces. Like, I feel like therapy has to be more robust. Enough world building. Enough world building. I think that Zam, especially if we are looking at this in a place where relations between the union and the Zalians are not quite as defined. Uh, Zam, you know, gets an assignment or, or a request or a call 
to go on a union ship uh, to study union allies and see if the Zalians can really be a part of this thing or not, I think this terrifies him. I think this terrifies him to a point where it's almost all he can think about. And his older brother, who already has all of these responsibilities, who's already doing so much, uh, sees that and volunteers to be there in his place. I think it's this big sacrifice and it set Zam or it set uh, Zaron on this path to, you know, being this cool adventurer or, you know, allowed it to move a lot more, but like also led to his death and, you know, even more complex, like led to his relationship with Sam and all of this. I think that is a piece of guilt that, that Zam has been carrying this entire time. And I think that is also something that, in the space of Zam is also into Sam and feeling all of these things. I think in that quiet and intimate space that they held with each other the night before and the fact that their mental connection has only been getting stronger and stronger, it is probably one of the main things that holds Zam back from really addressing his feelings for Sam. Um, because he is ashamed and like probably also sees how he could have met this person um, and maybe things would be different. Hey, Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we've got an event coming up. I will be joined alongside Jeff and John from System Mastery at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. On Friday, March 1st at 12.45, we'll be doing the Netflix and Kill RPG Game Show, where we'll be creating monster matches for members of the audience to decide whether to take home or bury in the grave. Then Saturday, March 2nd at 2 p.m. on the Tavern Stage, we'll be performing the Ultimate RPG Dungeon Meister Show, an improvised actual play. This is going to be the first time that we've tried either of these show formats in person, and it will be in front of large audiences. I expect it to be a little bit of a mess, but an endearing mess. We would definitely appreciate it if some heroes came out and cheered us on. And of course, we are touring because both Jeff, John, and I have some exciting books coming up. You already know about my Ultimate Dungeon Master's Guide, which is coming out in March. But Jeff and John have books coming out too. On May 28th, they'll be releasing The Deck of Many Drinks, a mashup of recipes from their Dungeon Meister's Drink Master Guide, and RPG abilities akin to The Deck of Many Things. Then in July, the Dungeon Meister Random Monster Generator is coming out, which allows you to randomize the head, torso, and legs of a monster to provide an interesting challenge for your role-playing party. So please pre-order now, and we'll see you in Seattle. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who supports OneShot on Patreon. You made this series possible. You made it possible for us to do our search for a new host. We are going to be announcing that new host next week. So keep your ears tuned to this channel. A huge thank you to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. 
Yeah, I think, I think they finished the jump. Uh, they've got the, I think it was urgent supplies that they needed to carry to another planet. And both of these two wake up uh, to a world that where, where, where the uh, life support systems uh, can be fully operational. The ship is warm once again. Uh, the food generators are working, all of these other things. Uh, and people are kind of able to start getting back to work. Um, but these two are kind of in the hazy fog of the night that they have just shared with each other. And I think through a lot of the day, there has been way more flirting, way more affection between them. Because I think although feelings were not confessed, a sort of dam broke between them. And I think we joined them in this like data sorting area. I It has been so long since I did the first recording. I, I can't remember exactly the specific unimportant job that Sam has been given or not unimportant unchallenging job that's that uh, Sam has been given. Uh, but they are sitting with a table between them talking and laughing. It's so funny. Sam does not look like the sort of person who would have a laugh that fills a room, but he absolutely does. His eyes sparkle brightly. I swear it's true. It's true. <laughs> I could not put it past you. Uh, it, it, Seems extraordinary. All of your stories seem extraordinary. Everything Brother wrote about in his diaries seemed extraordinary as well. That's actually one of the things that I love about traveling with the Union. Why I'm so committed to this job is space is so extraordinary. All of existence, all of creation is extraordinary. And everything that we learn about it is extraordinary. When you open yourself up to that, when you commit yourself to understanding that, you get to experience extraordinary things. That's one of the reasons that Zaron told me that he was so glad that he decided to go. And saying that, oddly, it feels like a silence falls in the room. Suddenly, Zaron and I, who had just been talking so energetically just moments ago, it feels like there is a silence between us. Zaron's bright and colorful, beautiful eyes will not meet mine. Is something wrong? I can feel Zam pull back from our connection. I don't have the option of doing that, but he is clearly very practiced in it. And I cannot lean forward to reach out for him. I depend upon him in order to experience that. You mentioned that he chose to travel with the Union. Well, y yes. Zaron said that he really wanted to see the galaxy, the universe, and explore in the ways that the Union explored. I think that's what made it so easy to work with him, especially in those early days when we didn't know each other so well. There was an ideological connection between us. I can see Zam nod, but it feels restrained. 
hollow, almost. Sam, I try to broach very gently, because this is clearly a subject of consternation, whatever it is. You know that humans don't have the psychic space to connect with one another most of the time. So culturally, we developed to hone abilities to understand when someone is feeling something, even if they don't want to share what they are feeling intentionally. Sometimes we have to draw it out of each other. Zam looks up at me and... He looks guarded. I see beneath that guarded look, there's the familiar desire to be a good guest, to understand. He is absorbing the things that I am telling him, even as he indulges his own defenses. Yes, I I believe I understand this. I bring it up because right now, between us, I am noticing a change in how you are communicating with me. I feel like there's something that's unsaid right now. And, of course, you don't have to talk about anything that you don't want to. But it feels like, it feels like something is bothering you in your feelings. And I want you to know that we're close enough that you can talk to me about those things. I walk around the table and take a seat next to Zam that is closer to him. I am still providing distance between us, but I rearrange our position so the work does not sit between us, that we once again sit together. You have seen a lot of me, uh, intentionally and unintentionally through study and through observation and conversation. I feel like I have seen a good deal of you as well. And I know part of that was for the ritual, but ritual or no, there is a connection between us. We are friends. That connection is going to exist when this ritual is over as well. What I'm trying to say, Zam looks up at me in this. There is a hint of fear a hint of worry, and something else in his expression. His eyes look so big right now. What I'm trying to say is that you can trust me with something that is vulnerable. And I know, or I believe, you are feeling something right now. And if you are feeling that something, it might be bad because you are not sharing it. I once again witness the strange and beautiful process that is Azalean blushing. I feel our mental connection pass over me like a wave, or maybe like an excited animal on a leash that has lunged forward before being pulled back. There are touches of some very difficult things. Shame and fear broiled up in so many other complex threads of emotion. I would never require this of you either, but I truly feel that you will feel better. Zem lets out a laugh. There is bitterness in it. You only think that because of your ignorance. And I am to blame for that. 
I try to keep my face passive. It is odd. From both Zaron and Sam, my experience of Zalians is it is very rare for there to be a restrained emotion, something that is dealt with very personally in an isolated fashion. But I've been a human long enough to know that this is something that everybody goes through, that people, even when they need each other, push each other away. I let these lashes roll over me and continue to offer the thing that I believe that Sam needs in this moment, which is presence, support, and openness. Something I need you to understand. Something that I should have told you earlier. My brother did not choose to travel with the Union. He was forced to do it. It's difficult for me to hide my surprise and confusion. Zam, I don't know what that means. I, I can assure you that from everything that he said to me, he absolutely did. He believed in the things that the Union believes, and he chose to come out here to, despite his position and many other things because he felt there was a chance for prosperity for really everyone, be it members of the Union or people on Zalia. Then I feel our connection return. It is much colder, much stiffer. It does not have the bubbly shades of happiness that it did really throughout this entire day. I feel like I am being held firmly as he turns those colorful eyes on me. And despite their beauty, there is something sharp in them. Well, I believe he may have changed. That is not how he started out. You were not the first commission that Zaron took within the Union. I believe you know this. He traveled for years before then. But the truth is... He was not meant to leave. His duties on our planet were far too vast, far too great for him to do something like this, to, to leave the planet and leave all of that behind and operate mostly through correspondence. I understand that he had other responsibilities, but no, you don't. I can see there is something wild within Zam. Something that is very hurt, that is thrashing and lashing out. But his words and tone are painful. Still, I know what that pain means. And I know, I know what he might need to process it. The things that Zaron did as part of the Union were tremendous, admirable, but also unnecessary. They were not his duties. He lets out a deep sigh, and I can feel the icy, cool touch of his pain roll through the room. They were meant to be mine. As the firstborn, operating in the position that he did, Zaron was meant to remain home. It was supposed to be my duty to leave our planet and 
travel with your union, but I was afraid. I had never known any life but the, the quiet scholarship that I had until, until just a few months ago. And when the possibility of leaving to be a part of your military... I... I... I, I couldn't. I froze. I was suffering for weeks and so many people came and tried to speak to me Zaron multiple times he was the one who eventually saw that I couldn't fulfill that duty even if they sent me against my will I was too locked in fear to do any of the necessary work required of someone in that position to evaluate, to see, to learn. And so he was forced to offer himself. I have to admit, I am taken aback. It is surprising to know that Zaron didn't choose this path. In all of our conversations and all the times our minds touched, he had never said anything about being forced into this position. He mentioned his brother, but in nothing other than factual or glowing terms. The thing that surprises me even more is the amount of pain that Zam is carrying over this. Zam, I understand why you might feel guilty. Do you? Do you really? Do you understand, or are you excusing it? Zam, I... No, you must hear me. Brother excused my behavior as well. Every time I tried to offer apology, every time... Every time I saw him suffer under the weight of his position and, and the stress that he found out in the larger galaxy... No words, no touch of mind could ever truly communicate the guilt that I felt, even as he brushed it aside. It is real. It is the shame that I carry. My brother died in the service of the Union, and it is because of me, because he should have been home. I try my best to project gentleness and calm through our psychic space, to do that through my expression, my words as well. I stand up and move towards him. I reach out to offer him a comforting touch. And then I feel it as he bats my hand away. So this is the lead, intentionally touching the follow. I am in real trouble here. Uh, the tower is leaning very far one direction, so most of the lower down bricks that still remain, I feel like if I pull them out, that is just gonna destabilize it entirely. There are higher up bricks, but the one that can move is a center brick. My hands are shaking right now. It is loose, but like the upper part of the tower is like so unbalanced, rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth again, like a rocking horse. Uh, this might be the last poll. <laughs> Readers, it was not the last poll, but my goodness, is it 
remarkably close. This, this tower is leaning hard. My hand stings. The way that he slapped me away, it was unrestrained. There is a spike through our psychic connection. I can feel instantly his regret, his surprise at his own force. But that sinks him further into shame and hardens him more. I do not deserve your comfort. I do not deserve your kind words. I am somewhat frozen in place, arrested by the display. I don't know what the right thing to do or say here is. I am certain in my heart that that Zam needs and deserves comfort for this, that he is placing entirely too much on himself, that he is ignoring the truth because of the shame that he feels or that he felt when his brother first left. But I don't know if he is capable of allowing himself that in this moment. And I don't know what could be said to help him understand that. Oh, shoot. Um, I don't think I pulled the brick for the lead intentionally revealing something personal but uh this whole situation him him revealing this absolutely constitutes uh revealing something personal so let's let's pull that now well that's the game folks let me just mark off that star really quick. Okay. Okay. So, um, now I need to count up, uh, the pulls that were made and compare them to this little pull chart here to narrate our various endings. So I've got on the lead, 12 pulls from the lead and... Um, combined with the follows polls, uh, that is 23. Uh, so let's look at our epilogue prompt chart here. Um, they run from, uh, one to 10, 11 to 13, 14 to 16, 17 to 19, uh, and 20 plus. Okay. Wow. Uh, so this chart has changed, uh, from the original Starcrossed. I actually, I want to, uh, do a quick comparison. I'm going to grab my Starcrossed rule book really quick. Ending is on 27. Okay. So in the original, uh, uh, Starcrossed epilogue chart, uh, 20 plus is your mind is overruled by the frantic beating of your heart. Damn the world. From now on, you only need each other. And for the solo epilogue chart, it is, it uses some similar words, but I feel like tonally it's a little different. Frantic. Give your epilogue the maximum amount of drama and have your characters act with certainty, whether or not it's wise to do so. I think one of the things that I loved so much about the original Starcrossed ending is that, like, when you get to 20 plus pulls, you hit this point where the characters are like, there are the, all the consequences, all the forces keeping them apart, those are real, but they become 
it, it becomes true for them that like their feelings are more important than those consequences. So they act accordingly. Uh, even if there are consequences, like they prioritize their relationship and their love and they, they find a way to live a life together. Where here, like frantic, give your epilogue the maximum amount of drama and have your characters act with certainty whether or not it's wise to do so. I feel like that is a tonal shift where they feel certain about their feelings and their actions, but like it is not centering. Well, you know, I don't know. I think it centers centering the idea of certainty rather than centering the emotion. I think makes the the things that come out of it slightly different. Um, it's it's an interesting change. Um, I am gonna have to when this comes out read the rest of like the different endings uh, presented and whatnot because like there is so much between these two texts that are similar, uh, but it kind of feels like this is less poetic, like like the the solo version is less poetic, which I think because you have one person who is controlling two characters, that might be more necessary. Um, but like this is also centering the idea of drama uh, in this. So, okay. Frantic, give it the maximum amount of drama and have your characters act with certainty whether or not it is wise to do so so this is the lead the lead is going to act on his feelings and make his feelings clear so i think in this moment uh that is a little terrifying um where he is just with more force than he intended uh slapped away uh sam's hand he stands up. I cannot remember if I made Zam taller than Sam. I know that Zaron was certainly taller than Sam. Um, but like whether or not he is actually taller, uh, he feels imposing in this moment. So much of him is blazing. And within the psychic space around him, there is like this tumbling uncertainty, this shame mixed with the unspoken thing that sits between these two characters, the desire. And not knowing what to do in this moment, not knowing what Zam needs, but also being dedicated, being devoted to helping this person in ways that are informed by duty in ways that are informed by by personal values, in ways that are informed by like simple emotional need. Sam does not back away. He does look at Zam in fear, not understanding this reaction, not knowing what he needs to do, but he is rooted there. Uh, and it's not simply freezing up. He is rooted there because he believes in not leaving Zam alone with these feelings. And Zam looks to him. I let my brother leave his responsibilities, his home, to satisfy my fear and my cowardice. Things that I could not do and could not say myself, so he did them and said them for me. 
And in my attempts to honor his memory and who he was, the first truly brave thing I ever did in my life, coming out here, I have become this. He says that as though... As though it is an indictment of his character. I can feel his sincerity through our connection. But I have to ask, what is it that you think you've become? He steps towards me. And I can feel my heart pounding in my chest from fear and confusion. I can see his uncertainty and his passion as he steps towards me. But I do not draw away. I have become the brother who recoils from his responsibilities, who quietly allowed my brother to take on my own danger, my own responsibilities. I have become the brother who came here to understand the depth of my brother's soul, to understand the shape of his love, and it is the only thing I have taken for myself. And with that, Zam reaches out, wrapping one arm around the back of Sam's waist, pulling them close together, and moving his other arm up Sam's back, allowing his fingers to intermingle with Sam's hair. He roughly pulls Sam forward into a kiss. Union policy on surveillance is a complicated thing. On the one hand, because of all of the strange things that happen to exist in our wide and beautiful galaxy, there are a number of reasons that cameras need to be placed throughout the ship so that footage can be reviewed. However, Union officers are supposed to be able to enjoy privacy, knowing that not all of the actions that they take throughout a day will be reviewed and judged harshly. Still, there are certain things that you are not meant to do while you are at work. Chief among those things is intimate liaisons. The duties that Sam was on were tucked away in a private area of the ship. No one but these two ever passed through this room. And what they did in there together certainly was against the guidelines that are proposed within the Union Handbook of Behavioral Conduct. That said, no one was reviewing that footage to look for it. What followed that moment was weeks of passion between Zam and Sam, something that the both of them would remember as some of the easiest weeks that they would have together in their lives, where the shelter of the ritual still gave them space, where the only thing within their relationship was each other, their words, their thoughts, their beliefs, their bodies, the touch shared between all of those things. But eventually, both of them had to admit that the thing that Zam came there to find was within his grasp. He understood the love that his brother felt. He understood the shape of the relationship between Sam and Zaron. He knew that all of the things that he found in his brother's journals were true, and he could deliver that last piece of his brother's soul into rest. But this left them both with a question, a deep uncertainty. What would they do with this other thing that they had found? There was so much complexity in it 
Zam was technically a diplomat and one on a very specific cultural mission. And there are cultural taboos against the very thing that happened between them on this trip. On top of the cultural taboos of those feelings getting entangled with an off-worlder. And Sam, Sam who dedicated his life to his belief in the Union and its mission, and who wanted dearly to move through its ranks and make a contribution to the organization that he saw as so aligned with his beliefs, was faced with yet another messy personal moment where he had to choose whether he truly believed in the feelings that he had, whether or not they meant that he would be able to move forward with his career. Ultimately, they chose to do a very difficult thing, a thing that was likely ill-advised. Sam made it more difficult as Zam prepared to leave and everyone on the ship gathered for a ceremony to see this diplomat off and wish him congratulations, condolences, and happy travels having completed his sacred cultural duty. Sam took it upon himself to propose a marriage to Zam. It stunned everyone. The superior officers on the ship, those friends that Zam had on the crew, and everyone that Zam had come to know and call fellow while he was on the ship. I think what stunned most of all was that Zam accepted in a heartbeat. It was a confused moment, but it was one that was met with joy. The Union being the type of organization it is, an organization that explores, that seeks to understand and celebrate culture and the people who create it, is not unfamiliar with complicated and entangled personal feelings. For Sam, it probably would have been easier if something like this could have come later on in his career. But no one can say when love is going to come for you. It is a beautiful thing that exists everywhere within the galaxy. But even though in some ways it is common, it is still precious. And despite a few behind-closed-doors comments about how messy everything was, arrangements were made. Sam returned to Zalia with Zam. The ritual was complete and shortly followed by an announcement of their engagement. There were many traditional forces on Zalia that opposed this, a fiasco both for Union representatives and Zalian representatives. And in some ways, it did galvanize traditional and oppositional forces within the Zalian homeworld. However, it also made a powerful declaration that feelings that exist between Zalians and outsiders are indeed legitimate. More than that, it asserted that some beliefs within the culture might be well served coming under review. That is the position that Zam took, and having Sam by his side allowed him to weather many of those slings and arrows. It was not easy. But in their hearts, both Sam and Zam knew that it was worth it. They continued what was Zaron's work on this homeworld and spoke often together about someday returning to the stars. 
It was sadly a very long time before the opportunity presented itself. Eventually, Zalia did join the Union. It's hard to say whether the situation between Sam and Zam made that easier or harder. Things like this are so complicated, it's impossible to point to a single moment that allows something to happen or slows it. But after the tentative alliance became formal, the two of them had more freedom, and other members within Zam's house had matured to the point where they were eager to take on the work that Zam struggled with. In a lot of ways, he was more than happy to leave it behind, and felt that he left it behind in good hands. And Sam, who was still technically an ensign at that point, was able to take his husband onto a new ship, where the only thing anyone knew were that these two were together, that they were a part of each other's lives and that they had a strong desire to see all the miraculous things that the galaxy had to offer. It wasn't the glorious career that Zam imagined for himself. It wasn't the quiet scholarship that at one time gave Zam such peace and purpose, but it was something they found together, something unexpected and lovely, something that they held as precious between them. Until the day it was time for their Zalian family to come together with their Union family and deliver their souls to rest. And that is Solo Starcross. I hope that that counts as a maximum amount of drama. Again, uh, this is one of those areas where it really makes me appreciate how much I love collaboration in RPGs. Uh, solo games, I feel a lot more weight, a lot more pressure on myself as a player to make them work because uh, they are so, I don't know, like... I second guess things that I create and find it so much easier to throw myself into supporting ideas. Um, so I'm like, yeah, you know, there was some frantic elements in how the confession was made. Uh, and certainly it's dramatic to think about these two going home to like hostile forces and it taking a really long time to eventually get uh, Azalea into the union and whatnot. But I feel like this it did center certainty. Um, I just think with a collaborator, uh, I might have found a greater depth. But like, I know not everybody plays games like me. And I really do appreciate uh, the way Solo Starcrossed was written. Again, I think some of the best games feel serendipitous when they deliver their twists to you. It's like the idea of rolling a critical success in exactly the right moment uh, in a campaign. Uh, seeing uh, the prompt that Alex wrote, you, you had a dream about the lead. What parts of it do you remember? Like, oh my goodness. So, so poignant right after the close, quiet and alone scene. I think it's really well constructed. I think that if you are somebody who loves love stories, uh, Solo Star Crossed is something that is unmissable. 
I know the crowdfunding project at this point is over. However, this game is coming out. Uh, it was funded, and and you will see it either at your friendly local game store if you head there to pre-order it, or uh, uh, from Bully Pulpit. Uh, so please go seek that out. This game is wonderful, a truly wonderful. It is a really thoughtful like evolution of my favorite RPG of all time. And that is not all it is. Like I had the solo Starcrossed experience, but this is like a small chapter in the Love Letters expansion to Starcrossed. There is also three player Starcrossed, so you can explore polyamorous situations. There are suggested pairings for Starcrossed uh, to like get you moving on something that is already full of complexity. So you don't I think one of the things that I struggle with when I set up a Starcrossed scenario is like establishing the reasons uh, that keep two characters apart. Like, I always want to pull back because I really do like to see two characters get together. But part of the magic of Starcross depends on having something substantial there. Uh, so I, I think those suggested pairings are absolutely wonderful. Uh, there are other variations of play as well. Uh, so... If you love this game in the way that I love this game, I think you will benefit a lot from picking up Love Letters. Uh, and if you are someone who really does like solo play, I think this is a tremendously constructed solo play game. Um, I really like, I am not at all surprised uh, to have gotten this uh, from Alex. Again, I think Starcross is incredible. I, I think... Pretty much every RPG that I have read from Alex is incredible, uh, but like that doesn't undercut its achievement just because you are used to excellence uh, does not make the excellence any less. Uh, and, you know, Alex is not the only person who has contributed to this project. There are so many other wonderful designers who have. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I found it really challenging, but also really satisfying. Um, like it gave me a fantastic experience. Uh, so... If you were thinking about this, I encourage you to go out and make this game a part of your life. And with that, we'll see you next time, heroes. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Set Sail by Matteo Galisi. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M 
WordPress.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. In the universe of Starwall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more.